Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canalamessa, joined by Mike Rowe. Hope everybody's doing well out there. On uh, this week's podcast, we've got legendary running back Steve Bartello from the 1993 to 1986 seasons. He's going to join us to talk about his path to CSU, his Hall of Fame career for the Rams, being the Boston Boulder in 1986, his connection with CSU these days, and much, much more. Uh, he's a little before our time at CSU, Mike, but uh, he's one of the most revered running backs ever at CSU. I think he's the best running back CSU's ever had. And when you watch old games and, and clips on YouTube, you know, it's just – it is awesome to watch him run with the full head of steam. He didn't ever look to kind of dodge defenders. He looked to just run them over, which is uh, – I love that style of running. Very Cecil Sapp-esque. But that's going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, you know, he definitely earned his nickname of the battering ram when he was uh, when he was at CSU. So, you know, what I didn't realize was how small he was. He was like five nine, five ten at most, and under two hundred pounds, um, at least for part of his career. And um, he could put a punishing on on people. I just loved yeah, that he ran. Yeah, and for him to turn that into. I mean, two years, two years in the league. I think he was with Tampa Bay for a season, and then uh, maybe the Rams practice squad for another year. Niners or San Francisco, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then a couple of years in the uh, NFL Europe or World League back then. Yep. You know, to to be that size and 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 knowing that he, he did this as a walk on, you know, uh, walk on quarterback at CSU. Right. It uh, it's just amazing. You know, honestly, it's one of those stories that you, you you love to hear. And as a coach, as a high school coach, you know, it's something you want to point out to your players. Like, you know, you can make it if you have that right kind of attitude and, and the perseverance to uh, fight, you know. And he's um, – I mean, we'll, we'll go through all of his accolades and, and all of his accomplishments. It is a long list of extremely impressive feats. I mean, one of which is he, he still is the number two uh, running back with the most career rushing attempts. And we'll, we'll ask him about that. But number two all time, just absolutely incredible. He's only behind Ron Dane by nine carries. So pr- pretty awesome stuff. So that is going to be a great conversation. Stick with us on that. i uh, got a bunch of things to ask you about first, Mike, and, and talk through uh, before he comes on. But first um, – I don't know if I told you about my trip to Fort Collins last week. With my <laughs> I, I got a few of those text messages. I know. It was so awesome. My, my aunt, uncle, and cousin came in uh, from western Pennsylvania. We uh, drove up from Denver. First stop, the Mighty River. Uh, Dan Miller gave us a private tour of the brewing facility, talked about the process of uh, making the craft beer that they had in there, let us sample all the beers. Man, that place is cool. And uh, my favorite was the Pineview Double IPA. It is it is so good, and it's 8% alcohol, so you have a few of those, and you're, you're good. So I was definitely off to a good start. Also tried the 10% tributary Belgian triple, which reminds me a lot of uh, Chimay, really good as well. And then after that, we went up to Odell and New Belgium, which are both fantastic as always. Unfortunately, they weren't doing tours. We did a tour at New Belgium a couple of years ago, and it was one of the best days of, of – my life we had so much fun it was so cool we paid for one of the vip tours only problem this year was the atmosphere was a little bit subdued you know we we're outside on their their patio both have great cool courtyards and, and places to drink out there but 
everyone was really separated. It wasn't like music. It was like pretty like subdued. So it wasn't quite the same atmosphere or fun, fun that we had a couple years ago, but still great to indulge in a bunch of those beers. And then we count the night with more drinks and then dinner on the rooftop at Ginger and Baker. Mike, you got to go there. It is, uh, my family absolutely loved it. Kate Cooper, who is their director of events and community engagement, uh, they, she stopped by to say hi as we were having some beers before dinner. And, <laughs> and then you know her as well, right? You and Tracy yes, know her. Um, yeah, uh, we worked with Kate for, for about three years at the, uh, for the Ram Good Time auction. She was the one that set it up and got a lot of the corporate sponsors and, and sold the tables and tickets. And I mean, she, she was great. It hasn't been the same since she's left. I mean, we just had like two great with Deidre church and then, and then Kate after that. And, you know, it just hasn't been the same. It's one of those, we've lost a lot of talent in the athletic department over the last few years. And Kate's definitely one of them, but I know that Ginger and Baker's is better for it. So. Yep. And she does a great job there. Um, so we sat on the rooftop. I had the uh, tuna poke uh, tacos as a starter, then went with the bison burger, which was just awesome. Uh, I've also had the spiced rubbed salmon there before, which is delicious too. But uh, then had to, finish, had to finish off the night with a called the quadruple coconut cream pie. So mm. just uh, the food, drink, and setting were just awesome. And so, I don't know if you saw this. This is totally an aside, but I saw Tom Hilbert post on Facebook the other day. It was like a, a view from his new apartment. And he lives down there in the River District, and it, it overlooks – uh, Ginger and Baker and I remember sitting on that rooftop looking over at that apartment complex or condo complex and uh, just thinking wow that would be a really cool place to live and of course coach coach Hilbert lives there has a beautiful view of the fort. Uh, what happens when you're the best coach in CSU history. That's correct nothing but the best for him. Um, so anyway get there people you won't be disappointed. Um, Mike we got about 15 minutes before Steve comes on so I wanted to run through a few things uh, topics that are going on out there. Um, one which was kind of a hypothetical uh, is actually one of our, our message board posters, actually a buff poster, but it's actually a relatively new guy on our board, and he actually is this pretty, uh, pretty level-headed guy. Uh, but he, he said, um, you know, if there is a winter or spring football season like we're planning in the Mountain West, Big Ten, Pac-12, uh, MAC, he was saying that those four conferences or whoever's playing this winter slash spring schedule should implement their own playoff with the winner of each conference making a earning a, a berth into the playoff, perhaps even running it in a bubble. Um, and I saw you respond to him suggesting that, you know, maybe take the four top teams from the Big Ten and Pac-12 and then the, the winner from the MAC and the Mountain West and, and run like a uh, six-team tournament. So I, I love those ideas and, and as a way to kind of combat the ho-humness of a maybe a meaningless spring season, a shortened spring season, that would be a really cool way to keep people interested and, and give us, a, kind of set us apart. Well, again, I mean, the NCAA has come out and they said, well, we're still going to do the playoff championship. Well, they really don't have anything to do with college football. I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, they, it's – and for them to say, well, we're going to have this this in the fall, you know, the college playoffs in the fall, but not the spring, then why not? If if there is going to be a spring season, why not do their own? I mean, what's there's nothing to stop them. I mean, that's the whole the whole point of all this is that the NCAA has no say in what's going on. You know, 
We have four conferences that have said they're not going to play. We have six that said they are. And the NCAA has done nothing. So who's to say that we can't? You know, like, like I said last week, I mean, this is a chance for college football to show some innovation and, and do something new and, and exciting. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's a direction that we go. Be really, uh, it would be really cool to, to have something to play for, whether you call it a, probably not a national championship, but having a tournament like that where you know that you play your way into this thing, you, can, you have the chance to play the top of the Pac-12 or top of the Big Ten, and that would be really cool. And I think it would be something that fans would watch. So uh, I hope that they can figure out a way to do that, although now there's all these rumblings at the Big Ten is looking to maybe reverse course and play this fall. So uh, who knows what's going to happen. Speaking of reversing course, the state of Arizona just reversed course and is now allowing high school sports in the fall when they had previously said no. Uh, our vocal uh, beloved incoming quarterback recruit, Luke McAllister, actually tweeted out yesterday or a couple days ago uh, at, at uh, Colorado Governor Jared Polis to, to do the same thing, to reverse course and allow fall football um, what is it dumb for states like Arizona or would it be dumb for Colorado to, to reverse at this point? I mean, I guess we'll find out as we see the fallout of some of these other programs that have gone underway and they're having some outbreaks and, and whatnot. But um, I'm curious to, to get your take. Is it, is it, I think it was too early to, to decide you're not playing, but I also think um, I'm not sure that reversing already is the right thing to do. Who knows? You know, we, we, we talk about wanting to keep our kids safe and, and not just, and not just about with COVID, but keeping them safe from injury. I think to start now would put too many players in that situation. You know, I look at my nephew. My nephew's a senior just like your son is. I mean, they would have been doing seven-on-sevens and camps all summer long to get in shape, and they haven't been able to do that. And they would have started their season um, almost a month ago. Yeah. with official practices, and they haven't been able to do that. And so to say, well, let's start October 1st, well, that gives them – I mean, that gives them four weeks when they haven't – when most teams – when most teams haven't even been picking up a football, you know. And then, I mean, again, going back to my, my nephew, and, and they were state runner-up last year in, in eight-man football in, in Fowler, Colorado. And he's – He's golfing. He's on the golf team. Had never played before or never played uh, competitively before. And he's on the golf team because he has that opportunity. So, I mean, in, in the state, we've already started certain sports. So I don't know how in Colorado we can make that change, you know, now. I, th I, th I think it's just – it's too late for that, for high school sports and – you know, we just got to deal with it and, and enjoy the uh, the March to May football season, USFL style. <laughs> USFL style. That's exactly right. I, did you see this? There was an interview by uh, Reese Davies from ESPN, Rod Gilmore, Kirk Herbstreet, Burger McFarlane. They had Oliver Luck, who was a former executive with the NCAA. They had him on. We're asking him some questions. And one of the questions that Kirk actually asked was about the possibility of this, the Power Five breaking away from the NCAA and forming its own division. Oliver Luck said that before he kind of laughed some of that off, 
never thought that was really a true possibility, but with all of the dire ramifications of the pandemic, uh, everyone kind of going rogue and doing their own thing this year, he could see a scenario where this put, perhaps could come to fruition here in the next several years or whatever. And he thought that, you know, he, and maybe he was just speaking off the cuff and didn't know the exact number of, of teams uh, in Power Five conferences, but he said you probably would see around 70 to 75 teams break away. I don't know if he had that number in his mind because there was a set number of uh, divisions that you could create or if he truly was just off the cuff, just trying, couldn't remember exactly how many teams were in the, the Power Five. But there's a, the Power Five has 66 teams right now. And then you add in like Notre Dame, that's 67. So if the Power Five did break away and, and there was a magic number of 70 to 75 teams that they wanted to bring in, uh, as part of this this new division that broke away from the NCAA, would CSU any hope of, of cracking that list? We've got a lot of qualities, great alumni base, large alumni base. We're in Denver, uh, or we've got the Denver market. We've got beautiful facilities, but is that enough? I mean, are, are, are people going to be clamoring for Colorado State to be in their power conference or their power division? Well, I think, I think it kind of goes back to, you know, the Big 12s. Uh, flirtation with us and you know they took everybody across the U.S. it wasn't just it wasn't just a regional look and there were 12 well were there 12 finalists with yeah. that and 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 it, and it from everything that it sounds like we were we were the ugly girl that would be taken home at the end of the night from the bar you know that if they had to pick somebody we would have been one of those, one of the two. And, and then the NCAA stepped in and said, well, you can have your conference championship without, with without, a, with, without having the 12 teams. Yeah, with 10. So then that kind of took away their need to add the two teams. So they didn't have to fight over for that 12th. The fact that we were there with that, I think that we would. We would have a good chance of being in, included in that, 75 or you know I think 84 makes more sense but I think I, I think we would I mean our academics are on par our research dollars are, are there you know you look across the board I mean we led the Mountain West in overall conference championships over the last five years with 19 you know so we have an attractive we have an attractive brand to offer sadly you look at the last two years under coach Mike Bobo where we were horrible, but I think you, you got to look more at the overall picture. And, and, and I think that helps us. Yes. I, 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 I like our, I like our situation. And, and if, if something expanded to that, I think that we would be eventually included. I think one last thing here, we thought the sky was falling over the last few weeks because of all the reports of dissension and players and staff speaking out against CSU athletics and, you and I have talked, we've talked with Anthony Hill. How can there be such differing opinions within a one, one football program on what they're seeing and witnessing and experiencing with coaches or athletic directors? And I think this is a perfect example of, of how that can happen when you're dealing with such a large program. You know, when you've got 100 kids in your program, even the top schools, including the one that just won the national championship, LSU, has got their own issues where, you know, Ed Ogeron has got, some of the star players opting out, uh, not just because of COVID, but they're using that as the cover. 
uh, others are transferring out of the program. Um, he had a player's protest on societal issues during a scheduled practice time that he wasn't informed about beforehand. You know, he's got a bunch of players out because of COVID. And then he just kind of lost it on a reporter <laughs> the other day because they were re reporting uh, stories with anonymous sources. We've seen that before. Uh, and then he went on Fox News the other day and proclaimed that he loves President Trump. So I'm not saying that all this aligns with the accusations going on at CSU, but um, it does speak to the point that, like I said, football teams are large and diverse and not everyone is going to like the coach or the way that the coach does things or says things. Not everyone's going to feel the same uh, about every person within the program or how things are being done. And, you know, that we're in a, a state now where players are feeling more empowered lately, which is great to speak out and forge change. But uh, I just thought that was, was peculiar to see this, this program was riding high. Everyone's happy. They win the national championship. And now they're kind of dealing with a lot of this stuff that we kind of saw where you've got anonymous players and coaches and admins speaking out against the head coach and, and other things that are going on in there. Well, you know, and it, and it happened in Clemson as well. You know, there were, there were reports on, on the way that, uh, oh, I'm spacing his, his name. Dabo? I can, yes. That Sweeney, you know, how he was handling players and there were like racial overtones being, being said and, he just kind of tried to sweep it under the rug, which sounds very familiar, <laughs> you know, to, to the last five years at CSU. And it was, it's, it is every team, you know, we, we have, a, you know, usually in a majority white head coaches along with a lot of black players, you know, a lot of inner city players. And, and you're just, you're going to have disagreements and you're going to have just a different life from people around and I think now players are, are feeling like having a, a bigger voice in it I mean you think about when you played baseball it was at CSU I mean I'm sure that if you had a difference of opinion with with a coach you didn't say it there wasn't anything being said now it's you can say that and the kids have more power of their own careers you, that's why you see people kids going out early transferring almost for any reason anymore and it's and it's good it's good for the it's good for college sports it's good for the athletes which is supposed to be the number one concern it's not the schools it's our student athletes so well good stuff michael it is a weird time that we're all in for a variety of reasons 2020 just keeps throwing us for for more loops and um and the best we can do is keep our spirits up and look towards uh i hope a spring a winter spring football season and and try to get some good guests on to uh to reminisce about the past and and um have have good things to think about and talk about so we're gonna pause here for a second so that we can connect with uh with steve so stay with us we'll be back in a moment all right welcome back our guest today came to CSU as a walk-on and finished his career as an All-American fullback, running back, with a school record for career rushing yards. And he grew up in Colorado Springs, graduated from Doherty High School. And despite being considered undersized, I guess you would consider that at five foot nine. I don't know. We'll ask you about what the true size was there, Steve. Uh, 
uh, rushed for 4,800 yards, 4,813 yards between 1983 and 1986. He was a four-year starter and, and earned all-conference honors in 84, 85, 86. His career record of 46 rushing touchdowns is still the school record, along with 1,211 rushing attempts in his senior year. That mark also set NCAA a record at the time and is still second behind only Ron Dane's 1,220. He won <clears throat> the player of the year that season and was the United Press International and Associated Press second team All-American. And he's a member of the CSU Hall of Fame, inducted in 1995. I could go on with a long, long list of accolades, but in short, we are welcoming the best running back in CSU football history, Steve Bartallo. It's great to be here. It's a lot of fun. Hope, hope we can have some fun while we're here. Good. That's, that's our goal because there's not a, lot of, not a lot of positives lately. Investigations and cancellations of football and, you know, coming off three and nine football seasons and all those fun things. We're, we're trying to get guys like you that bring us uh, enthusiasm for the past and reason to be hopeful for the future. But uh, how's life going for you, Steve, in this crazy 2020 year? It's it's going well. Um, you know, Florida football, we're, we started about two or three weeks ago. And um, <clears throat> I coach at a high school. And so we, we've got a game next week. And it's it's interesting. It, we're taking breaks every 13 minutes. We're making sure during water breaks that nobody's within six feet of each other. I mean, it's it's a I've been coaching for over 20 years and it's just crazy what we're doing out there, all the different protocols that we have to follow. So, it, but it, hopefully next week when we, when we're supposed to play a game, hopefully everything will be football again. You know, we um, we're envious because you're getting ready to kick off your season, as you said, and here in Colorado, they've pushed the high school season to the fall. So you're lucky that you have football at, at all levels down there right now. Have there been any complications or outbreaks? Have you had to shut down at all? Will there be fans in the stands or partial fans, or how's that going to work? Well, I, I read something today that we're going to have fans. Each player can have up to four people at the game, and those four people will have to social distance from the people around them. So you won't have, you won't have very many people in the stands. Um, <clears throat> We did have one little scare over the summer during conditioning, and we had a whole group of receivers that had to take their two weeks off and quarantine, but it, it was more of a, for safety than anybody actually get getting the virus. So, so we've been pretty lucky, I think. What's your perspective on all this um, with the Mountain West, the MAC, Big Ten, Pac-12, opting not to play? But you've got the Big Big Twelve, um, ACC, AAC, all all saying that they're they're going to play. Right. What's your perspective on some not feeling comfortable and others saying, "Yeah, well, let's do this." Well, it, it's tough. It's easy for me to say I'd want to play, and I think a lot of the kids would want to play. I think a lot of the coaches want to play, but you know, you've you've got you bring in the fans. And now you've, your social distancing is cutting down and people are sneezing on each other, laughing, yelling, everybody's drinking. I mean, it, so it could lead to worse situations for people. Um, you know, if you play within it for an empty stadium, you lose all your concession money, your parking money, because it, it is a business. You have to run the schools. Um, 
unfortunately, I mean, the football is paying for it. Right. A, a lot of times for a lot of the things that they have. So it's, it's tough. I feel bad for the kids that aren't getting to play. Um, the NCAA stepped up and said, if you're not playing this year, you, you can, it's no, it's not a season for you. So you can continue. And I, I think them stepping up to the plate helps make it easier for you. You know, now my 18 year old son who he would like to be playing, but his conference two months ago canceled. So it's, um, him he, he would love to hopefully have a shot to play this year um but he, he doesn't even get a chance right i want to ask you about him and um it, I, you you coach at gaither is that how you pronounce it gaither high school that's, that's correct so nick is a senior linebacker your your youngest son nick is a linebacker and a right guard did i read that correctly and then your older son was the starting quarterback the last couple years tony and he's the one that's at bethune cookman right now correct how is it uh how has it been coaching getting the opportunity to coach your sons because you've been doing this for 20 years out of, of a passion but now you got had to have your sons come through and experience that that's got to be pretty cool yeah it, it it's it's been interesting um with both of them because nick they're both bigger than me first of all um you know tony's six two he's about 210 nick's about six one and he's about 215, and I'm sitting here at, you know, 5'9", you know, 200 pounds. But it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun coaching both of them. You know, Nick playing offensive line for us, undersized offensive linemen. But it, the people that he played against, he played against guys that are going to Florida, Florida State, Maryland, you know, all over the country. They're signing with these schools, and he, he was blocking – man to man on these guys and you know Tony last year was for we we play 6a football that's what Gaither's in and Tony led the state in 6a in touchdown passes with 45 and he had 3,500 yards passing which was third in the state for 6a I mean for everybody for every division and it's um it was so much fun last year because we lost in the semifinals we got our butts kicked but to make it to the state semifinals, it was kind of magical, you know, and to have both of my sons out there, just, just a lot of fun coaching them. I had to learn how to bite my tongue because there were things I wanted to say when, like when Tony would throw a pick or Tony would fumble or when Nick would miss a block and I had to bite my tongue because I'm coaching running backs. I shouldn't be coaching them and saying, what the heck are you doing? At so <laughs> all, all of us dad coaches are that way. Yeah, and you know, when they're conditioning, they're never running hard enough. When we're in the weight room, they're never lifting hard enough. But it, it was a lot of fun. Are they kind of built in the mold of uh, tough overachievers like, like yourself? No. Um, Tony is very talented and athletic. He's more of the finesse guy. And Nick is more the throwback um, I'm going to knock you in the next week type of player. So they both got they, – their, their mom played college softball, so she's athletic. So we kind of have a pretty good mix in there. And they're both, they're both real highly competitive. I don't think either one of them had to fight as hard. You know, Nick's, Nick's fighting now. 
because he's middle linebacker. But, um, you know, it's – I think they're both just better athletes. <laughs> so, so Tony's at, at Bethune-Cookman. Has the MEAC said anything about just postponing the season or is it just done for good? Did they make that decision that no spring ball either or – well, I saw probably about three weeks ago, they actually came out with a spring schedule. So I don't know if they're prepping just in case. Hopefully they'll play in the spring. I think it was an eight-game schedule, which would be nice to see. Um, we'll see what happens. I guess time will tell. But, yeah, they, so they, they originally said they were going to suspend the season. It, was this, it, it wasn't we're canceling, which is – kind of leave some hope and some optimism for you that's good to hear so Bethune Cookman how did uh that's uh, considered a historically black university so how did how did that happen well one of the teams I coached we had a kid on the team and his name was Alan Suber he was a quarterback and he ended up transferring to another school he was the quarterback coach at the time and he came in and said, we'll take him. We, we want him. And um, so I, I don't know. One of our coaches actually played some uh, flag football with him, adult flag football with him and knew him, called him up and said, hey, take a look at our quarterback. And so they were, they were very, very interested in him going over. It's a, it's a three-hour drive over to Daytona Beach. Well, that's pretty cool. And you got a daughter that lives out here, right? Does she? Uh, is she still out here? I thought she, I saw she owns a dance studio in Aspen or something like that. Yeah, she's up in she's in Aspen now. She's dating a uh, former CU football player. Ooh. Ooh. Well, the funny thing was, she texted me, and she said, "Hey, Dad, let me ask you a question." I go, "Okay, what's that?" Her name's Gia, and she goes, "What would you say if I was?" if I told you I was dating an ex-Colorado football player. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it was kind of tough. I said, well, could be worse. At least it's football. So <laughs> they've been together for a couple years, and he's a good kid. He was a walk-on as well. So it's, you know, he's got some heart. Good. And then kind of wrapping up this background on you, Mike and I have both – coached in high school. Mike's actually a teacher. He's coached in high school uh, in several different sports, including football. Um, I've done it in baseball, and I know what a challenge it is working around a real job and when you got a regular job and a career. But you've had a long career at Raymond James. You're still there, right? And tell us about your career there and what you do. Yeah, I'm – I I think of myself as the old Italian loan collector – Um, because we make loans against securities and it's my job to make sure that Raymond James doesn't lose any money. So when the market's crashing, like it did for three or four months, you know, it's very long days and making sure that Raymond James has the equity in the accounts that's needed. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun job. It is. I've enjoyed it. I've, I've gone into the office every day and occasionally we'll do some work from home. But I'd rather be in the office. But it's uh, it's been – I've been there 23 years, I believe. And what's – is there a tie between um, your connection with Raymond James and your time uh, with the Buccaneers? Actually, no. 
No, they, uh, we didn't eat Tampa state. It was called Tampa stadium back in those days. And I was actually at Raymond James working when they started the naming of the stadium. So the new one, yeah, I was already there. Gotcha. Well, getting into football, like we said, you grew up in Colorado Springs, played at Doherty. Uh, you had some interest from Air Force, but you, you chose to walk on at CSU. Uh, Rams were not very good. I know you were small, and, and probably that hampered some of the opportunities that, that you had in your path. But what made you decide to walk on at Fort, uh, in Fort Collins rather than pursue somewhere else? Well, it was something – I, I wanted to go to a bigger school. Um, I came out during spring. My dad drove me up. We were co- going out to watch a, a scrimmage. Craig Ryder was the one that recruited Colorado Springs and uh, because he grew up there, went to Wasson High School. And um, when we drove on to campus, there was this event going on that people, some people probably don't know about, which was college days. <laughs> so I'm driving with my dad and I see that it was beautiful weather and there's quite a few shapely co-eds walking around in bikinis, carrying beers. I'm thinking to myself, this might be the place for me. You and, thought that was better than Air Force? Well, I didn't even visit Air Force. <laughs> so, yeah, and then, of course, then I saw Terry Nugent. He was throwing the ball around on the field, and I was like, oh, man, he's six foot four. Look at him. And uh, so I was a little concerned with my football, whether or not I was going to be able to make it. But college days was interesting. It was, it's a, it was a good time to come up. You, do you remember who was playing in the concerts then? Oh, no, no. I, I, I don't. I mean, we were only up there for a day. You know, just drove up to see it, watched the scrimmage, and drove out of town. But, yeah, there was something going on. Those had died by uh, the time that we arrived. I was a freshman in 91, and we, we heard the legendary stories about college days. So, and from what I've heard, I can understand why you were intrigued. Yeah, it was, it was very inviting. It was good, it was good for me. <laughs> so people remember that you were a walk-on. I mean, that's a common story, but probably not as many people realize that you started off as like a scout team quarterback before they gave you a chance at fullback and running back. And how, how did that tr- transition happen under Leon Fuller? And did you, what, at what point did you earn a scholarship? Well, I, I played scout. It was interesting because we went through summer camp and Noel Mazzoni was our quarterbacks coach. And he came up to me and he said, Hey, you're going to have a real important job or role for the team, you're going to run scout team for us. I was like, okay. And so, you know, Air Force was running the wishbone. Wyoming at the time was running the wishbone. <clears throat> he had Steve Young in, in uh, BYU. There was a couple other teams running the wishbone that we played. And I ran the option in high school. So running the wishbone wasn't much for me. I could shift over to that pretty easily. We went from beer in high school to op- wishbone in college. And so it was – I basically they just beat me up every practice and the coaches would buy me shirts with the number of the opposing team's quarterback and the defense thought it was so great to see how fast they could tear it off of me during practice so they would be slinging me around by my jersey 
and they then they put another one on me and it, I, I just basically got beat up um and so I, I did the whole season as scout team quarterback and then I started thinking to myself I can actually play a wishbone quarterback so I started looking around at other schools yeah should I should I try to get into Air Force should I go to somewhere else Wyoming reached out to a couple coaches and things like that and then they moved me I decided I was going to stay give it a shot see what happened and they moved me in the spring to running back and three day three three game or three days into spring practice I hurt my shoulder you know, I hurt the AC joint on my shoulder, so I'm out and waiting. Came back, played in the uh, final scrimmage, and then they moved me back to quarterback because we were playing Air Force, I think, my freshman year. So they wanted a little scout film of Air Force, and I was hot because I played all spring running back, and then you moved me to Air Force so I can give you a look instead of actually having the fun of playing running back, which I thought I had earned. But it, it was all right. Um, and then we came back in summer ball. I came back, and I was third or fourth team running back, learning my way. Um, and then two or three weeks into the season, no, maybe three or four weeks in, was when I got got a shot. And I was I was paying for my school that fall while I was leading the whack in rushing. And uh, so I got my scholarship in the spring. Well, it, yeah, yeah, that's okay. So your sophomore, <laughs> sophomore year? Well, I redshirted my first year, so it was my redshirt freshman year. Redshirt freshman. You, so you paid for three semesters. Yes. At CSU. Right. And yes. They don't. They don't refund. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> good policy. Yeah. You played under Leon Fuller, who, when people refer to the Leon Fuller years, it's uh, it's not with fondness over the number of wins. It's kind of the lean years, but he Leon seemed, be gone, Leon be gone. But he seemed like um, a very likable guy. What was he like to play for? Um, he was a defensive coach, and he spent majority of his time on defense. Now, what you may not remember is that my running backs coach, who was also our offensive coordinator was Sonny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was for me, I spent more time with Sonny than anybody else on the staff as far as a coach that I spent time with and his, his attitude, um, his discipline, the way he treated people. He didn't care if you were a walk on or if you were a starter, he was going to treat you the same. And just to have him as a coach was unbelievable. I mean, to this day, I really think the reason I got into coaching was because of Sonny, the way he, he treated me when I was a walk-on. He treated me the same as when I was, you know, a two- or three-year starter. So it was, um, it was a lot of fun having, having Sonny as my, my coach. So when he got the job as the head coach in 93, you probably could see why he was going to be successful then. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I went down to Miami for when he was coaching down there, and I went down to one of his – they had a clinic on there and spent some time at the clinics, and um, you, you knew he was. When I was in San Francisco, he was up at Stanford, 
and I went in and sat in on some meetings on Friday night when the coaches were meeting before the game on Saturday at Stanford. And, um, I mean, he, he treated me the same then as he did when I was a player. So it was, it was nice to be there. That's cool. I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting tie from back then to the legend that Sonny is now with CSU and, and seeing the impact that he had on you as an offensive coordinator, running backs, running backs coach. And what was your – I mean, I, I assume you have followed CSU through the years, and what was your opinion when and thoughts when he was let go and, and where the program went after that? Well, it, I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm, I've got distancing here. So I don't get it, every little article, every – radio thing, any TV shows. So I don't, most of the time, I don't know what's going on unless I'm hearing it secondhand. And so I, I kind of get, okay, this side, and then I call somebody else and they give me the other side. I, I think a guy like Sonny deserves a chance to stay probably about as long as he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so it's, it's, and it's easy for me to say that sitting here, but because I'm not running the athletic department, I'm not in charge of the school and things like that. And I sure as heck didn't see very many games back then, but <clears throat> just the success that he brought, you hate to see him run off. As we established, you weren't the biggest running back coming out of high school. Um, in fact, I saw one video clip of Leon Fuller talking about you as uh, coming out of high school as at a at a buck sixty, you know, in at one fifty eight, one fifty eight, right? And so, and you said you're five nine, probably sub two hundred pounds at the time. And what did you clock the forty in? You think I was faster than people think. <laughs> All right, well there there you go. But but from a size standpoint not exactly the measurables for a prototypical running back, no. um, but you were one of the greatest in school history, if not the best running back in school history. You made it to the NFL. And not only that, the style that you ran with kind of endeared yourself to the fans. You were known as the battering ram. You plowed over defenders and you finished every run. When you look back, is it hard to believe that where you came from is that, that little guy that was a walk-on as a, a scout team quarterback to where you finished? It's, it's hard to believe it happened. Um, my dad used to always stress, he stressed a lot of things. He was an Air Force fighter pilot. So he, he was very opinionated Italian man. And he always used to tell me, you got to work your legs. You have to, your legs are the most important thing. And he'd say, you've got to stay in shape. And I used to do this and this and this. I would say, okay. And I took what he said as he knows what he's talking about. You know, he played college football at University of Detroit, and then he played at Canisius College, which is in Buffalo, up in New York. And, and I just felt like if I worked hard, I could do it. And I think I just worked harder than everybody else. And I, and I was lucky. I was very lucky because the offense was suited for me. I mean, if you get four, four – four carries and you're gaining right at four yards a carry, you get a first down. If you get three carries, three times four is 12. That's the first down. You're moving the chains. I got lucky because we had quarterbacks that could put it downfield 
And then we had a little mix up where we could have this Italian, little short Italian guy run into everybody and try to move the pile. Um, so I really think I, I was lucky. I got there at the right time. Um, and, and I was afraid on, and I, I probably, I, I don't think I've ever said this. I was afraid that someone was going to find out that I was actually out there on the field. I never wanted to come out of the game because I was afraid somebody else was going to come in and do better than me because I thought a lot of these kids were better athletes than me and given a shot, they might've performed better than me, but I wasn't going to let them on the field to give them a shot. And, you know, 29 carries a game over four years, I kept myself in shape because I knew I was going to take a beating. Well, you, you know, looking at, looking at that, where you said you had average 29 carries a game, you're the top carrying at CSU history. Twice you carried for 47 times in a single game. Do you ever see that happening again in college football or professional football? Or, or do you see it staying the way it is kind of now where it's a running back by committee? Well, there's a couple things. I think the game has changed because everybody wants to see the 40, 50, 60 yard passes and they want it, or they want to see the short pass and the guy running 80 yards with it. Um, I don't think that, you know, the wishbone is that's in a closet in a box and there's dust all over it. Um, there's very few teams that run it anymore. Um, the, the games change, the times have changed. And I think, um, I don't think like the players, have changed, I think, since my time. Um, there, everybody's, and I understand it. Everybody's looking for the big, the big present. Everybody wants the contract in the NFL. Um, so I, I think people have changed. And me, I was happy. I got my school paid for, for most of the time. You know, outside of that year and a half, but. Um, I was happy to play football because I loved football. So I, I was, for me, it was okay. And I, maybe I'll get a shot in the NFL. We'll see. And if not, I'll move on. So I, I don't think we will see that. So you went five, seven, five and seven, your freshman year, three and eight, your sophomore year, five and seven, your junior season, and then six and five, your senior year, the, uh, the lone winning season of your, of your career. But compared to the, just a couple of years prior to your arrival, when you're, the Rams went 0-12. Your stint looked like a uh, program resurgence. You know, after you left, the team went just uh, won just two games in, in two seasons. But what do you remember about that time? Because um, you did start to turn things around when you were there. Um, what do you remember about your team, your teammates, and your time at CSU? Well, I think we, we needed a bowl game my senior year. And we were so close to having a bowl game. You know, San Diego State, Todd Santos throws something into the end zone, time running out, and they end up winning the whack as a result. And then we go down to UTEP, and <clears throat> we're, we need a field goal to win the game, and Kelly throws a pick, and I make a tackle on my last play of college football. If we had – if we had beat UTEP, we probably would have gone to some bowl. We had, they said there were bowl scouts in the stadium watching us. You know, I, we needed that. 
I think to turn the corner. I mean, we definitely showed improvement. You know, we we played CU three times, and my senior year we beat them. Um, we had a lot of young kids that came in together when I, when I was a freshman, and the offensive line. I think we had four or five guys that were seniors with me. So it, it was nice to be able to have that kind of unity across the front there. Um, but, it, but it was tough. Um, it was a, a lot about respect when we played CU. We were always playing for respect back in those days. Um, the little brother syndrome we had. So that was, that was kind of tough. And there was no, I, I, we, you know, we beat my senior year. We beat BYU. We lost to Air Force, the heartbreaker. We beat CU. I mean, it, 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 those are two huge wins. I want to ask you more about that CU game in a second here. But um, you, you got to play with Kelly Stoffer, as you mentioned. He was a first-round draft pick at quarterback. He's the current ESPN color analyst. And, by the way, if you still keep in touch with him at all, tell him to return my calls because we invited him to come on a couple, a couple months ago. Um, but anyway, what, what made him so good? You said that his ability to throw it downfield opened up opportunities for you. But what made him so good as a quarterback at CSU? Well, he, he was just – he was big and strong. I mean, he was a big country boy. You know, he grew up in Rushville, Nebraska, with Terry Hinn, one of our wide receivers. And, you know, Kelly, I think, went to Garden City Community College first. And he came in and beat – I think it was Tom Fennell out halfway through the year and he could just throw the ball. And if you missed a block, he could stand up in the pocket between him and Nugent, you know, both being six foot four kids, but with big bodies, big frames. Um, you know, Terry was a workout demon still is today. He's doing triathlons as far as I know still. And, um, Kelly, Kelly growing up in Rushville. I mean, I, Kelly was a big country boy. And he could take a beating back there if, if something someone missed a block. But, yeah, the most important thing, I think, was his arm strength. Well, and then, of course, the big game, that, like you mentioned, I'll remember the 1986 seasons. You go into Boulder, beat them 23-7, to and we've only won in Boulder eight times ever. The only time between that and, and now was 2009 under Steve Fairchild. But the rivalry game – they just had rekindled it because it was on like a 25-year hiatus until about your freshman year or something like that. Right. And then you guys played maybe your freshman and sophomore year or sophomore, junior, I can't remember what it was, and you lost. So what was it like getting that last shot as a senior going into that game for your senior year? Well, the first game I ever played in in college was against CU. I went in in the second quarter for Troy Lindsay. And, you know, his son plays for the Broncos now. Right. And Troy, Troy is third and short. I went in and got a first down, stayed in, and then Troy started the second half, and we swapped back and forth. So it, from there to my senior year, the team had gained confidence. You know, CU was the big brother on the street, and they had everything, and they looked down their nose at us, rightly so. Yeah, we weren't a very good football team leading into that game. They were ranked 16th in the country. They were a 16-point favorite. And then we beat them by 16 or something like that. It's great. I mean, it was it – was, we knew we could do it at the time. We didn't know we were going to do it. But we did it. 
And it, to me, that was, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was just, everything worked for us at that point during the game. Defense was all over their wishbone. Dale Carr was Sports Illustrated Player of the Week. He had about two interceptions, one for a touchdown, recovered a couple fumbles. You know, Kelly was on. I ran for 140 or something and got a touchdown. Everything clicked for us there. It was, it was a, that was a great win. You know, Fum singing the song at halftime. Yeah, I could still hear him singing that song, and I can go play it whenever I want to. That's so, that's so funny because um, that's what I was going to ask you is, you know, obviously in Dale Carr, that was really cool because he, he had blown out his knee the year prior against CU, and he right. was playing a monster of a game. He had that pick six that, you know, to put it up 23 nothing towards the end of the game. And um, But I was going to ask you, my next question was, do you remember – the post-game celebration and the pre-game speech, they had uh, Fun McGraw. There's a sweet YouTube video, which which you probably have seen. Um, but he was giving an emotional pre-game speech. He's apparently he was going to retire, I think, at the end of the year. And then after the game, you were giving him the game ball and just wanted to know what you remembered about all that because Fum is, is quite the icon at, you know, in CSU. Yeah, Fum was incredible. Um, one of the biggest men I've been around um, – we always used to joke when you shake hands with him, he'd tickle your elbow. His hands were so big. And, I was about ready to say that. Yeah, and half the time I couldn't understand what he was saying because he had that deep, scratchy voice. And so I'd just kind of nod and smile, yeah. Um, but he he was everything for the school, if you think about it. He, he played there, he coached there, and then he led the athletic department. Yeah. I mean, you can't get any bigger than that. And – to play that game for FUM. I mean, he fired us up in that locker room before we ran on the field. I mean, there was no way they were going to beat us after FUM gave his speech before that game. There was no way it was going to happen. And we, we beat them, kicked their butt. It was beautiful. <laughs> that, that was a cool video. He was emotional. It looked like everyone was emotional. That's a way to win for him and, and – uh... And for all fans, I mean, anytime. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sweating thinking about it now. You got me all fired up in here. Woo. You know, and, and that's the reason why we wanted you, you know, we've been kicking around uh, when we when we were going to talk to you and to try to set this up. And I'm like, this is the perfect week. In two days, we're supposed to be playing CU in Fort Collins, and, and that's not happening. So we wanted to have some, some positive CSU, CU uh, <laughs> memories to talk about. So – you know, we definitely appreciate, uh, I mean, hearing these stories. I mean, that's what, that's what this is about, and it, it is great hearing it. That, that's what it was about. It's, I mean, taking CU apart in the paper. I mean, we went to – they had the, the thing down in Denver, the, the luncheon. I don't know if they still do the luncheon. They don't. But they had the luncheon down there. And the, I went – I can't remember who else went, maybe Kelly, maybe Dale, but we got in a helicopter and went down there. My first ever helicopter ride, which going down there was a little bit scary coming back. I was good, but I think, I don't know if it was Barry Remington. It might've been Barry and might've been Eric Coyle, their uh, center were there. And one of them, you know, they, was making the big fuss about, yeah, we're coming for you, pointing across the room at us. And I'm looking, come on, man. It's, we're at a luncheon. 
you know, it's later we ended up, I think it was in Japan after my senior year when I played in the Japan Bowl and Barry and Eric were both on the team. And so we were actually teammates and had some fun together out there. You know, they're normal guys. Right. Granted, they went to see you, but they're normal guys and we got along. It was it was fun. But yeah, the wind, I mean, after the talk in the paper and from CU, we kept it quiet for the most part. And to, be, to beat them, it, I mean, it's just huge. You just, uh, you just mentioned the Japan Bowl. I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you about that. What was that experience like? <laughs> well, there's some things I can tell you and some things I can't. But, <laughs> but it, it, was my, it was great going over um, the longest flight I've ever taken in my life. Um, but with the amount of talent there, I mean, Miami had their guys, you know, Vinny was there, guys from Penn State, all kinds of guys from Miami, guys from Penn State. Who did we have? We were the underdogs, and we ended up winning. Our quarterback was Matt Stevens from UCLA, I think, and Kevin Sweeney from Fresno State. Um, I, I didn't run the ball much, but I think I had 10 or 12 receptions and a touchdown. But just seeing Japan was unbelievable. And Ray Perkins was the coach with Jimmy Johnson for the other team, the old Cowboys head coach and Miami Dolphins and all that. Um, so those two were the coach of the other team. We had, we had Rich Brooks from Oregon. We had Oklahoma State's head coach. I can't remember who he was. Pat Hill, maybe. And then we had, um, I think, maybe Sweeney's dad. And <clears throat> we were definitely underdogs in that one. It was, it, but it was a lot of fun. And we learned, we learned a lot about Japan at the time. And I sat on a bus for an hour with Ray Perkins next to me. And I was kind of scared of Ray Perkins at the time. And, and then he ended up <laughs> drafting me to Tampa the next year or that year. So maybe I, I must have – maybe I kept my mouth shut at the right times. Well, those wins against CU are few and far between. Uh, at least there's not enough for my liking, but definitely in Boulder. And I was – I've never missed a CU game in 30 years since I've been a fan and since I was a student. And the 2009 game – and granted, this was in the, the Steve Fairchild era, which was a whopping three years, but – they played such an amazing game in 2009, went into Boulder and really kind of beat the crap out of them. The game, the score was closer than it really was, but our fans stormed the field, Steve, and were dancing on the Buffalo at midfield. And I, I got a, actually a piece of turf right here behind my laptop <laughs> from the, the Folsom Field end zone. And uh, there's just, as a CSU fan, beating those guys is, is second to none. So, very cool. It was, it's, it's always fun to look back at that game because that was kind of, uh, like I said, I, w before your win, I don't think we had won there since uh, 57. I'm looking at, uh, yeah, 57. Granted, we didn't play them for a while, but the rest of our wins were like in the 19, early 40s and 30s and 15s. So, yeah. so very, very, very cool stuff. What was, that, what was that night in Fort Collins like? <laughs> yeah, remember, <laughs> my memory is kind of bad. On that, I you know we drove the bus back, and then I, I don't think I it was it was I think it was probably very similar to the the night we spent in BYU in Provo, 
after that win because when we got off that bus at Moby, I don't know if there was a guy on there that didn't have a hangover. <laughs> Coaches or players. Oh, that is the best. That is the best. That was a Friday night game in Provo we played, yeah. Well, so, so, so Steve, so then you're, you've gone through this amazing collegiate career. You're drafted, what, in the sixth round of the 87 draft? Played yep. for the Buccaneers and the 49ers, a couple years in the NFL. Went to the World League in Europe for a couple seasons. Tell us about your professional experience and, and what that was like for you. Well, when I went to Tampa, first they wanted me to lose weight. So I, I cut down to 195 pounds. And it, Tampa, it's about 110 degrees out while we're practicing. And we were probably the only team in the league that had three-a-days. So we were out there on that field. And two, two of the practices were in full pads. And it, it was unbelievable going through that. And so I ended up – I tore a tendon in my thumb catching a pass – Missed a couple days, missed some conditioning, got back into it. Um, it was uh, – I, I was amazed at the amount of work we put in under Ray Perkins. And it, it was interesting to see some of the veterans because they would say, this, this is not – this is college. You're back in college here with Ray Perkins. I didn't know any better. Now – then you go to San Francisco and it becomes you need to do what you need to do to get yourself ready. We're all about preparation, but you need to take care of yourself. If you need to run, you need to run after practice. If you need to lift three or four times a week, get it done, do what you need to do. So it, it was like night and day. Um, it, so it was, I mean, it was fun for me um, going to Frankfurt, and playing for the Galaxy and the World League was like being in college again, except for I was the old man. I was late 20s, and we had 21, 22-year-old kids that had just got out of college or just played one year in the NFL or got cut in the NFL, and we were all in the same hotel. And Jack Elway was our head coach, and um, – <laughs> Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun playing for Jack. And John came out a couple times and visited and stayed with us in Germany. But it, 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 was, it was being in college again. You know, you're on your own. You're eating meals with the team. You're riding a bus to the practice facility. You're all working out in the gym together. Um, really enjoyed it. Plus, I got to see Germany. We had a couple Germans on our team. And every weekend, we would steal one of the team's cars. And we would take it and go explore. So we were driving all over Germany. And every weekend in Germany, a different town has a beer festival. And so I was able to sample all of these different brews. It was incredible. Yeah, I was 28. I was old enough. It was fun. Ooh, boy, did we go through some towns. Good time. <laughs> Is is fun. Yeah, so, so I was a I was a Frankfurt fan um, when World League started because of because that you were on the team and and because of Jack Elway. So I watched a lot of those games. Well, 
the games that were on TV. So I definitely remember remember seeing those back in the day. And, and, and hearing your stories just, you know, it's awesome. I love hearing oh, yeah. that. Love hearing that. Oh, yeah. Mike Perez was our quarterback. He was at San Jose State. And he was out of Denver East, or I, I probably shouldn't say which, because he, yep. he'll, he'll get mad at me if I say name the wrong high school. But I think it was, he came from Denver. And, um, you know, it, it was great having him at quarterback for us. We, I mean, we had a lot of fun. Steve, it is so cool to hear that history behind all that. How is your connection with CSU these days? Uh, I know that several years back you established the Bartalo Family Football Scholarship. Very cool. How involved are you still with CSU, and how much do you pay attention to CSU football these days? I pay attention more than I'm involved. You know, I, I, try, to, I try to read up. I try to see what's going on with the school, how recruiting's going. Um, you know, when they were looking for a head coach, trying to figure out who they were going to pick. Um, I don't call anybody and act like I'm a big-timer in the athletic department or anything like that. I'm not a big timer, um, <clears throat> but I watch from afar, really. And I will watch any CSU football game I can get on TV. There's no brainer. If it, the problem I have is they need to start those games a little earlier because we're two hours behind here. And there's times I'm watching these games that aren't kicking off till 1030. I'm getting old. Yeah. Sometimes I fall asleep on the couch and I don't ever know who wins till the next morning. It's yeah, it's rough. That's what's rough on me right now. Those and we complain about them here, and we're we're two hours ahead of you. I was gonna say you're lucky because you get you get to be warm in your bed. I mean, some of those games we were freezing. Yeah, <laughs> and, Dance, and you know, <laughs> I'm very jealous though because it's too dang hot here. I mean, we're <laughs> sitting at a hundred heat index at practice today. And my little brother's sending me – he lives in Colorado, down in Colorado Springs, and he's sending me screenshots that next Thursday it's supposed to be a high of 29 with a possibility of snow. Yeah, Tuesday. Come on, man. Don't send me that. It's 84 at 5 o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> You're sweating just walking to your car. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not fun. So how are you 200 pounds then? Come on, I'm Italian. You always put on weight when you get older. <laughs> uh, all right, so from afar then, how have you seen the evolution of the university, the football program from your time into now? I mean, obviously, there's been some huge changes in just recent years. With the, the new facilities, the stadium, it's a far cry from when you played, obviously, but uh, what's, what's your, been your impressions with the new CSU? Well, that's, that's a tough question. It, um, it, I mean, everything's great. You have – the facilities are unbelievable. Um, maybe we're getting soft. I hate to say that. I don't think we are. And, but you've got so much. I'd, I'd throw them in a 10-by-10 10 10 weight room and see who goes in there and lifts when there's no heat, no air conditioning in the summer. That's what we started with over in Moby. Um, I, the, the fan support to give them the facilities they have is just unbelievable to me. And I think you have to return it at some point. 
You, you, as a football team, and, I, and I'm not saying they're not. I've been on the side where you're the one getting criticized, and I'm not going to criticize them because I truly believe they want to do the best they can do out there on the field, and they're trying to do the best they can. And the coaches aren't coaching to lose. No matter who you get, it's their livelihood. You know, they need to win football games to keep their jobs. And they know that. I'm not saying anything that is a new formula. And I'm not sure what the, what the answer is. You know, you, with good recruiting, Sonny had some great recruiting years. You know, the people he had and he brought in went on and had long careers in the NFL. I think um, – and I'm not saying you have to be an NFL player. Look at me. I had a cup of coffee in the NFL. And um, – but I thought we could win back in my day. And I think you, you need some people that think you could win. And I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's real tough. I'm a fan. I think the tough thing is for me is to sit back and see everything that's going on. And I mean, cause I'll still wear my CSU stuff. You, you cut me, I'm, I'm going to bleed green. You know, I, I fought, for five years and my, my teammates, we fought. We weren't the best team ever to play at CSU. We didn't have the best facilities, but we had a lot of heart back in those days. And um, it, it's, it's tough to see the criticisms and, and just the comments and commentary when, you know, I, I'd go back there tomorrow and my wife knows I, I would move back to Fort Collins tomorrow and be part of it. That's powerful. You've lived it. We all know the, the beauty and the greatness of Fort Collins and, and the CSU community. You know, when you look back to the sunny era, it's almost like we were a victim of our own success. We, we became so good that we were starting to get, we were tapping into recruits that we normally couldn't get, but it almost changed the culture, right? We couldn't. You didn't have that blue collar, tough, we're going to outwork you mentality anymore. And now it's almost magnified with the special facilities and the stadium and, and everything like you said. And I think there's a recipe somewhere in between where let's harness the everything we got going off the field, but bring back that toughness and the will to win and, and the leadership and all that. I mean, I can't imagine if you guys had half of the resources that the program has now. Yeah, we, we ate in the dorms. <laughs> Someone asked me, did you guys have a training table? Yeah, it was called Corbett Cafeteria. That's where I ate. I mean, who? what? It was good enough for everybody else. There were some nights it was bad, but, you know, you drive down the street to Wendy's and they used to have a special on singles. I don't know. Well... You already mentioned college days. Do you have any other memorable experiences outside of football in Fort Collins or at CSU? Well, I, I worked for Tom Gleason. He used to be the president, I believe, of First Interstate Bank at the time. And I was in collections. And so all these write-off loans that they had made, I had to kind of try to track the guys down. And there was an offensive lineman, an old offensive lineman from Utah State that worked there. I think his name was Joe Crum. And we used to go out and repo. <laughs> we, 
we got a car. One time we were we got our boat, this boat back. We were driving down horse tooth and the tires blew out, smoke coming off it, you know, the the rubber flipping off down the road. And we're pulling in to first interstate bank. We I mean we we drove it with flat. I mean, we were driving on metal rims. And we got in the first interstate bank, pulled into their parking lot. I mean, and it was it, it, that was one of my best jobs I ever had. Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot there in the business world. Um, and Fort Collins just, it was home to me. Once I, once I was there, I mean, I stayed there, you know, for five years. And, I, and like I said before, I'd be back tomorrow. It, it, the people are nice. I enjoy the people. The weather to me is unbelievable. Um, and I could tell stories all day long. <laughs> yeah, that's not your typical uh, college job right there. <laughs> no. Well, it's funny because I was working at Northwest Transport before that down in Denver. And I was loading and lo unloading trucks. And they had a family member rule. You couldn't have two members of the same family. And my little brother, who was a walk-on receiver for us, he was working there too. And they go, they called me up and said, you both can't work here. And I go, okay, well, I'll find a job. You know, it's in Fort Collins. I'm a senior. I'll be able to find something. I almost had to leave because I couldn't find a job. So I'm running on the track and Tom Gleason drives up and I had no idea who he was. And we start chatting. I go, yeah, if I don't get a job soon, I'm going to have to go back home. And he goes, Hey, give me a call. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. He goes, first interstate bank. <laughs> I don't even know who he is. And I had to, I went to Gary Ozello and I said, Gary, just met a guy, can't remember his name. And I tried to explain who it was. And he goes, Oh, I, I think that's Tom Gleason. So I called First Interstate Bank. This I'm an idiot. I called First Interstate Bank and, and I asked for Tom Gleason's secretary or admin. And I'm described, I go, I don't know if it was him or not. And I'm describing his car and him <laughs> to his admin. He goes, oh, yeah. She goes, oh, yeah, that was Tom. And she goes, I go, well, he told me to call tomorrow. So I'm going to call tomorrow because he said he's going to set up a time for us to meet and he'll see what he could do for me. I mean, I felt like a fool because I couldn't remember his name. But, you know, <laughs> I ended up getting the job. It was fun. It's in line with what you're doing now, sort of. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that has impressed me about Coach Adazio is is he's refocused recruiting Colorado, and he's up the walk-on program, something that we haven't seen in in the last five or six years. Um, since Sunny, what was? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, since Sunny was was here, um, what what do you think that does for a program recruiting in state and and getting those kids, those walk-ons that want to be a Ram. I mean, like yourself, I mean, you, like you said, you had opportunity to go to Air Force and a few other schools and, and you wanted to go to Fort Collins. So what, what do you think that does for the heart of a, of a program? Well, I think, I think you get the kids that want to be there. You know, you look at Nebraska and they've been known for years for their walk-on program. And they'll turn down scholarships to big schools to walk on and have an opportunity to play for their hometown crowd in Lincoln. Well, that's what you want to build. 
you want to build the people, the idea that come play for us. You can walk on, you'll have a chance. Maybe you'll earn a scholarship, maybe you won't, but you'll still have an opportunity to go out there and play. You get the kids with heart. and you, Every so often you might find somebody, maybe a little undersized, a little slower, that maybe is a little tougher than everybody else that contributes to the program. It, it could happen. I'm not saying it has previously, but it could happen. CCU's got quite the tradition of, of great walk-ons. There's some people there I didn't know that – I mean, I, I can think back to – I thought it was Joe Porter, but I, maybe not. And there's some others. That, um, Ross from California, the linebacker. Peter and Ross, Clark Higgins, yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of them. And Sonny found them, didn't he? Or yeah, his staff. Yeah, and to get the opportunity, you, you either you, – you get an opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. You, you may only get one shot, but you got to be ready. Go do what you can do. Well, Steve, do you ever look back in wonderment? I'm going to list off a few of your accomplishments. There's a lot beyond this list even, but you were a CSU All-Century team. 1992, they announced you to the All-Century team. CSU Hall of Fame member inducted in 1995. NIA Award winner in 1987. 16 games rushing over 100 yards, which is a school record. You were the WAC rushing leader three years in a row and the Offensive Player of the Year 1986. You led the NCAA in points in 1986, second all-time in the NCAA for rushing career attempts, 1,211 attempts behind only Ron Dane. We, we talked about that. Tony Dorsett is the next closest at thir- in third at 1163. 24th all-time in rushing attempts in a, in a single season at 362. Just crazy numbers here. You're ahead of Ricky Williams, Marcus Allen, Barry Sanders, and a lot of others. Academic All-American 1986. I don't think there's – I don't think there's a better running back at CSU ever, much less there's not, there's not many better in any position at CSU. Can you look back and just think, wow, did this, did this happen and uh, the imprint that you left on the university? I, 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 <laughs> you know, that's tough to comment on because a lot of that stuff, I mean, if I didn't have five guys that grew up with me in front of me in that offensive line, you know, I wouldn't have got, I, maybe I wouldn't have gotten half of those yards that I got, you know, and Edgar Mitchell, Phil Coles, Guy Gore, John Benton coaching for the 49ers. I know I'm missing one and I'm a, I'll probably get a phone call at some point telling me that you can't remember me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the line, the team we had, we were fighters. We were scrappy. We weren't the best athletes but we were going to play and leave it all out on the field. Um, <clears throat> did I ever think I would accomplish that? No, never in my wildest dreams. I still kind of think I should have played quarterback. Okay. Just between us, <laughs> <laughs> we should have switched to the wishbone and let me have my shot. Right. But <laughs> no, I, I mean, I never thought that, I mean, it, it was beyond my wildest dreams. I wanted to go there, get an education, maybe meet a couple girls on college days after my first time up there. And, um, you know, I got my degree. Football's, football was great for me. Colorado State was great for me. I got a degree. I earned a postgraduate scholarship from CSU. Um, you know, I got my MBA as a result of that postgraduate scholarship, which led me to Raymond James out here. Um, it's it it more the 
CSU paid me well by what I got. You know, my education, postgraduate, I traveled. I had my first plane flight to Ames, Iowa. I had never been on a plane before that, my freshman year. We come and I carried the ball 43 times and we got beat. First game I ever started. Um, I went to Miami. We played the University of Miami. We played LSU. I went to Hawaii. Only time I've ever been there. Don't want to go back, but <clears throat> too long of a flight. Um, I mean, CSU paid me. It wasn't money on the table. It wasn't under the table. CSU paid me with education. I got to play a game I love and everything else that goes with it, you know, the, the postgraduate and things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm well rewarded for, for what I did. It's interesting because right now we're in this movement of rewarding players, paying players for their likeness, paying players for their time involved with NCAA football. And when I hear you talk about what you got out of it as a scholarship athlete, what do you think about these days, the movement towards above and beyond giving them full ride scholarship to paying them for their likeness, paying them for their time, giving them a stipend? I, I fully agree that they don't have time for working a job, give them a stipend. But I'm starting to wonder if we've moved to this position where this is not amateur sports anymore. We're on our way to a semi-pro league. If we... I, I get if we're if we're gonna pay them, you need to charge them. Is in my opinion. I don't care what you pay them. If you're gonna pay them, charge them too, because they're getting free room, they're getting free food, and the food they have it. It's not Corbett Hall anymore. And and if you're gonna give pay them for their likeness, that, that that's great. So you'll have a, a couple stars that'll make a lot of money. And then you have a lot of guys that might get free meals at the corner store. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's moving to the place where people play one year. And we're on our way there. People play one year. They're ready to go. I'm jumping to the NFL. We're, we're becoming a minor league system for the NFL. So do I like it? I don't really like it. I love college football. I would watch any college football. We're missing a game right now, guys. University of Central Arkansas is playing tonight. UAB. That's right. UAB. Is it UAB? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, college football to me is so much fun to watch. To see the kids that in reality are playing for free but they're getting to play a game they love, for, hopefully. And I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch every college football game. I don't care who it is playing. I might turn it off earlier depending on wh who the teams are, but I'll, I'll turn it on. I mean, it's, to me, they're still amateurs, but it's quickly moving the opposite direction. The last thing for me is I saw this really cool video on YouTube. It was a, probably a local TV station that did a, a feature on you and your son's at Gaither and your son Tony said that he watches your highlight reel on YouTube every Thursday night before games to get pumped up and you know we just listed off all of your your accolades all your accomplishments but I think that right there is all the validation you need is that your your son 
your sons, your family knows where you came from and what you accomplished in the same position that they want to be. The interesting thing is I didn't even know he did that. So when he, when I saw that, I was like, I I had no idea. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit touching for the old man. (laughs) That is so cool. Mike, anything else, bud? Steve, I just want to tell you what an honor this is. I was 11 years old in, in, in 86. And, you know, I was a sports junkie. I got every magazine, Sports Illustrated, Sporting News, Sport sport Magazine, Football Digest. And I just remember reading over and over and over and over again the fall preview, the football preview in Sports Illustrated. And they had a blurb and a photo of you in it. And I just kept reading it over and over again. I was I just was such a fan as, as, as a kid. So this – I appreciate you coming on with us, and, the, and it means a lot to me as as a fan of, of not only CSU, but of you as well. So I, I just thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure. I appreciate that. Yeah, and for me too, Steve. We, we've had some awesome guests on over the last five months, guys that are idols, but uh, this is this is up there with, with my favorite uh, interview of, of all time. So I appreciate all your time. Thanks for spending over an hour with us. Oh, it's great to be here. All right, good luck this week uh, in your, your first game. Stay safe. Thank you. Game. Thanks. Have Thanks a good a one. Good luck. Go Rams. Thank you. Go Rams. Wow, that was Steve Bartallo. Uh, I have an, inter- uh, an affinity for the E.J. Watsons, the Damon Washington, C- Cecil Sapp, G.J.3s. Steve Bartolo is, is a legend. He is one of my favorites, and that was awesome. Yeah, it, it, it was great. You know, like I said – you know, I was I was a huge fan when I was in, in elementary school, and and just to finally meet him, even though over a Zoom call, but you know to have a chance to chat with him and hear some of those stories. I mean, it, it was it was awesome. It was awesome, and and there's just so much positivity, you know, and 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 not to not to put anything down on on what we've talked about with our other guests because, you know, we've had amazing guests, amazing interviews, but the whole thing was just about positivity and, and I loved it. And, you know, it, it, it was great from start to finish. He's an example of what we love about CSU. The, the good guys, the guys that overachieve, the guys that outwork everyone else. He's awesome. So uh, let's wrap it up, Mike. Uh, I want to remind all of our listeners to please please visit our sponsors, Mighty River Brewing Company, Ginger and Baker, Mighty River Brewing Company, by the way, has their second annual Riverfest coming up September 26th, later this month. They're going to have great beer, great food, great music. They're going to have several of their German beers on hand, including their Hefeweizen, their Kolsch, and if you buy the Riverfest Marzen and a 32-ounce commemorative stein, you get to keep the stein. That is cool. And they're going to have a German food truck from Peak 59 as well. And of course, live music. That last year they had their first annual River Fest, which was huge. Uh, so put this one on your calendar; you will love it. And then, of course, Ginger and Baker, you've got to visit. Sit on the rooftop. I had such a blast there last week, and uh, the food was awesome. The atmosphere was awesome. I'm telling you, Ram fans, you you should not miss this place. It is perfection. So, all right, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks to Steve for visiting with us. Thank you, Michael. Thanks to our listeners. 
and uh, have everybody have a great Labor Day. God dang it, we should be hosting CU this weekend. It sucks so bad that we're not. Oh, this this whole thing should be us previewing the games. <laughs> yep. And we, uh, we should be on our way to Fort Collins tomorrow to spend the weekend. But anyway, try to enjoy uh, the time off anyway, the long weekend. As always, uh, we'll talk to you next week, and go Rams. Go Rams. <laughs>